Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com, and we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to linode.com slash changelog. Hey, everyone. This is Ramya, and it's go time. It's Go Time, a weekly podcast where we discuss interesting topics around the Go programming language, the community, and everything in between. If you currently write Go or aspire to, this is the show for you. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of Go Time. Today's episode is number 49, and today's sponsor is TopTal. Today on the show, we have myself, Eric St. Martin. We also have Carlicia Pinto. Say hi, Carlicia. Hello, everybody. And Brian Kettleston couldn't be here, but we are fortunate to have Johnny Borsico join us today. Good to be back. And our special guest for today, uh, for all the VS Code lovers out there, um, is actually uh, the author and maintainer of VS Code, Ramya. Welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. So do you want to maybe give everybody like a little bit of a background of kind of like who you are and, and, and what you're working on? And, and the, you actually work for Microsoft as well. Yes. Uh, so uh, like you already said, my name is Ramya. Um, I joined Microsoft straight out of college about nine years ago uh, in India. Four years later, I moved to the U.S. here in Seattle. Uh, ever since, I've been in this group called uh, Developer Division. We call it DevDiv. Uh, it's all about developers, developer tools, all the services uh, that developers use and so on. And I love this group. So, you know, you finally get to be in a place where the product you make um, is usable by you. So you're your own customer. So that's a different high altogether. Um, I've been in a couple of teams in DevDiv. Um, first one was about uh, developer content services. Like, you know, how you have MSDN, you have TechNet. Uh, Microsoft is a big company. so. Almost every team had their own thing going when it you know, goes to try to do content. Um, so we tried to consolidate everything, bring everyone up to speed, uh, try to lose the hold on 10, 15-year-old tools and try to use modern tools like uh, Markdown, Git, and have a faster loop um, in that, you know, write the content, get it out there. So did that for a while, um, then joined uh, VSTS, that's your Visual Studio Team Services. That's like a collection of uh, services needed for your ALM application lifecycle management. So you have source control, you have work item you know, issue tracking, you have build for your continuous integration, you have release for your continuous deployment, all of this under a single umbrella. So if you think of the old school TFS, Team Foundation Server, which used to be you know, an on-prem product, VSTS is like a online offering of the same, but so much more. So did that, and then I heard VS Code was forming a team here in Redmond. So until then, uh, VS Code was um, a team of about 10 people in Zurich, um, headed by uh, Eric Gama. And um, I heard they're forming a team here in Redmond. So I was like, shouldn't lose that opportunity. And I joined the team about a year ago. So that's how I came to be in VS Code. So were you using Go prior to starting on this plugin or, or was this kind of like your intro to Go? It, 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 I hadn't even heard of Go, to be honest, uh, before that. Uh, so what happened was uh, 
I joined the team and as a right about two months before I joined the team, the person who wrote the Go extension had left the company. Uh, that's Luke Hoban for everyone. A big shout out for, you know, starting this whole amazing tool. And uh, they decided, hey, let's give that thing to the new girl. Um, so, <laughs> so there I was, um, new to VS Code, new to VS Code extension story, new to Go and uh, I was the only um, maintainer slash contributor for a while there. So yeah, that's how I came into Go. So so do you like and love Go now? Do you use it for other things now that you you kind of were forced by way of building this extension? Um, I don't use it much in the day-to-day job because uh, we don't get to use it in the product like VS Code doesn't use Go. Uh, but once in a while, I try to write small programs and learn more about it. That's really cool. So, so VS Code is, I think that's built on Electron, isn't it? Uh, VS Code is built on Electron, yes. So um, the way it started was, you know, initially about five years ago, Eric and a few others were thinking about, hey, let's look into um, having a developer experience, a coding experience in the browser if we can do it, you know, using web technologies. And that's how the Monaco editor came into being. Um, it was used in, uh, say, the Azure portal for your, you can edit your Azure websites online. Um, later on, it was used in um, IE11 in the debugging support. What you see there is Monaco. Then uh, VSTS itself uses it, so you can edit code online. That's Monaco. And then I think right about that time, Electron was gaining traction as well. And, you know, uh, the team paused and thought, which direction we want to take? And then um, since Electron was right there, and then you had this editor, and then things fell into place. And now you have VS Code, which is built on top of Electron. So that solves our cross-platform problem and lets you write uh, this amazing uh, product using just web technologies. I think I, I love that one thing about Electron. You, you no longer have you know, to write desktop applications, which is cross-platform. You no longer need to know the native um, uh, technologies anymore. You know web tech, and that's all you need, and a little bit of knowledge. So we heard that uh, some other code editors have an issue of performance, and that it is due to uh, what's the name again? Electron. But VS Code doesn't does not seem to have the same issue uh, performance issues. So. Mm-hmm. Did you tweak something to make the electron performance issues go away? Or what we heard is not accurate and electron has no performance issue whatsoever? Well, I, I think the differentiator is the editor that's written on top of electron. I believe they're two separate editors, both written on electron. Uh, I think you're referring to Adam. We did say that. You did. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I didn't know we were supposed to be politically no, correct. <laughs> no, Adam, yes. Adam is also like, it, it comes from the same, um, yeah, it, it is built on top of Electron. Um, yes, there is there is an opinion that uh, certain slowness that you might see um, might be attributed to Electron, but I think it's it's just, uh, we had the time and, and smart design to, uh, go about building the product in a good way. And um, the, the team has been contributing back to Electron as well, um, as in when um, we saw the need for it. So we didn't do any tweaks just for performance, I believe. 
But uh, Ben from the Zurich team would be a better person to answer that question. Um, yeah, nothing that I know of. Okay. Well, I, we we should we shouldn't bash um, Adam too much. Um, you know, I think many of us still use that um, because for whatever reason we like some of the mechanics in there. Um, so, but you know, again, we run the risk of starting the editor war, which I'm sure we will <laughs> touch on at some point during this uh, during this um, podcast. But um, you know, obviously, yeah. personally, I've been using VS Code for a better part of um, four or five months now. Um, and before that, you know, I, I was sort of a Vim diehard, you know, and you will pry from my cold dead hands kind of kind of a, a user. Um, and I still use Vim, you know, pretty much on a daily basis. But when I'm doing my sort of Go development, I still VS Code has sort of become what I do pretty much on a daily basis as well. I'm actually kind of surprised nobody kicked me off the show today. <laughs> because I'm still, uh, you have to pry Vim from my cold dead fingers. Personally. <laughs> Uh, personally, I, I, you know, to each his own, you know, you sometimes get used to a certain tool and that works for you, good for you, you know, whatever makes you productive and get the best out of the tool. So all we say is give everything a try and then see which works out for you. Yeah, looking at VS Code and some of the, the new lens stuff, like it, it really looks enticing. But yeah, I think I, I use Vim because it's habit. Right. Like lots yes. of things are, are really good nowadays. Before, when I used Vim a lot, it was because, you know, your alternatives are really, really clunky, like swing applications and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But now it's just habit and I'm often SSHing into boxes and I can work just as efficiently, you know, through an SSH session as I can locally. But yeah, some of the new editors really are enticing. And like the new lens stuff is really cool. I think that's what you call it, right? Yeah, the code lens. Yeah. You know what you should try? You should try the uh, Vim plugin um, on VS Code. So that might be an attempt to you know bridge and get the best of both worlds. That was the first plugin I reached out for because oh. like I, I basically I have muscle memory um, with Vim. So it's it's in the, in the moment I saw that there was actually a, a plugin for Vim and, and VS Code. That was at the first. I, I can't. I honestly cannot use VS Code without that plugin in there. So, you know, I'm just so used to sort of uh, the way you do things in Vim. Um, but somebody mentioned in the channel that there is a new editor that's, I think, uh, either has come out or is in beta. I think it's called Goglan. I have a hard time pronouncing it. I don't know how it's meant to be pronounced, but oh. it, it's Goglan, Goglan. I don't, I don't know, but that, that seems to right. But that to me, I tried that and honestly, it felt so heavy to me. Like it just gave me nightmares from my Eclipse, you know, Java days. And I was just like, Oh, I, I, I don't know. I tried it, but it just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gogland is really good, especially for people who are working with Scala and Java and Go at the same time. They are loving that editor, but there are the people who also love it. Um, I also tried it and it wasn't for me. Um, I am at the moment suffering from uh, editor fatigue because... Uh, <laughs> I, I like investing time on my editor to make it as performant as possible for me. And I've done that, like optimized Vim for me, optimized Atom for me. And there was always something that wasn't good enough. So right now I'm giving visual, uh, VS Code a try and I haven't done anything. It's very much bare because I am fatigued, but 
I am still giving it a try. I am having some issues with the Vim plugin because I usually, I get stuck on a visual mode and it's, it, it doesn't shift from like normal mode to uh, insert mode and back to normal mode. I, somehow the visual mode kicks in and I think I am in uh, normal mode, but I, I'm actually in visual mode. So I can't go from visual mode to insert mm -hmm. mode. And once I realized that like, I clicked 10, I clicked I 10 times, mm -hmm. and then I have to go and click escape to get into normal mode and then click, click I or A to start typing. This has been driving me crazy. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Can you do that in normal Vim? Go from visual to insert? Like now I'm I'm questioning that. I don't know whether I've ever tried that. <laughs> no, you can't. If you can, I don't know how. Because that's that's exactly what happens. I don't know how I get into visual <laughs> mode. But I'm constantly getting into visual mode. And then I want to go to insert thinking, well, I am normal mode, right? Because I didn't do anything to put myself in visual mode. But I'm in visual mode. And then I can't go into insert mode. I have to, like, oh, crap. Sorry. I have to go <laughs> get scared. And, uh, but another thing that I wanted to say is that it's good to know that Visual Studio did something special with the design to make it perform and not have the same performance issues that other editors might have and not to, uh, have the intent of start an editor war, especially I was a huge Adam fan, but it's just good to know that if I stick with this. Is not going to get bloated down the road. It's going to have. Yep. Uh, performance is really uh, important for us. We are really looking into um, every, every phase of the startup and you know seeing you know where we can improve. What's taking so much time? Uh, we another reason I believe uh, it looks better or it feels better is uh, the way we have our whole extensibility model. Um, our extensions run in a separate process. Uh, than the main Visual Studio Code editor. So this way, you know, say you've installed some extension, which for some weird reason takes a long time to do certain things, that does not block you from your normal editing uh, experience because this was a decision made very early on to have um, the extensions being hosted in a separate process and not impacting the main um, experience. So th no. that might be another differentiating factor. That might be the single best decision you've made in the entire, <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, they, honestly, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like everybody's sort of saying in the channel and, and, and on a podcast is we, every single one of us experiences sort of some slowness from our editors at some point. And it seems like as you use them, the longer you have them open, the slower they tend to get and the more memory they, they consume. It's like you're using um, um, Chrome or something. It's just like over, you know, at some point you want to have to reboot. But, you know, I, I've had very little of that with VS Code. And I think it's it, it's part of that is because of the, that design of that architecture of having things running in on separate processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing, a note on your uh, Vim concerns. Um, so I have a contact for you. Uh, so you can tweet at him any questions you have on the Vim plugin. Uh, Peng would be happy to answer. So he spent uh, quite a considerable amount of time getting the Vim plugin to the state it is now um, from, you know, as compared to like seven, eight months ago. Um, so, yeah, there's that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Because it drives me crazy, and I think I suspect <laughs> it's sort of what's keeping me from investing time to to soup up this editor. 
Yeah, because I haven't made my piece with this VIM, <laughs> this VIM plugin yet. Well, see, that's always the struggle for me too. Is like there's been a lot of the the VIM mode things and stuff, but you know, it's 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 really unfair of me to you know look at a new project as like, oh, it has VIM mode and kind of look at it the same way I I've had failures in other VIM modes. So I really need I really need to like install VS Code and like take it for a test drive for a week with VIM mode because I think uh, VIM mode in other applications has gotten a lot better over the years. Mm-hmm. So. Does anybody actually use Vim mode for um, like, I, th- I know Firefox had one. I think Chrome has an extension for Vim mode too. Does anybody use that stuff? I used it for five minutes. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, same, I, same here. <laughs> I love Vim, but uh, there's, there's some things that are just easier to drive with a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically that was, a, that was my hammer moment. You know, I'm like, hey, I love Vim. Why not just use Vim in my browser environment and everything everywhere else? And then I'm like, okay, um, I can't use this everywhere. It's not really practical. So to uh, move on from the Vim talk, there is a PDF with a bunch of shortcuts for VS Code. And I don't, I'm not sure if it's just Vim or is VS, I think it's VS Code in general. Does anybody have that link? Because I lost it. So we have something called as uh, key maps. So if you're coming from Adam or if you're coming from Sublime, if you want to use your old, um, you know, the old keyboard shortcuts that you're used to and you want to really? use them in VS Code. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> go, to your extension- <laughs> go to your extension, Spain. Um, you just made a friend maps. for life. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So if you have VS Code open right now, so just search for key map in the extension pane and Uh you will get one for Sublime, Atom, uh, from Visual Studio, Emacs, Eclipse, Emacs. Oh, that's what I need. NetBeans. There are a couple of them. Of course, at this point, I forgot about the shortcuts. (laughs) No, I really needed that. Awesome. Yeah, the intention here was that if anybody is moving from, you know, another um, editor, we wanted to make it as easy as possible for you to, you know, um, get on board. So where do I go? So I installed that for Atom, which is what I used to use before. My Atom was all souped up. So where do I go now to see what those mappings work? Because at this point, I forgot. Um, so just click on Atom key map, and on the right side, you should be able to see more information about it. And there are links right there. Ah, great. Awesome. Live tech support, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. Is this going to turn into a, a customer support call now? <laughs> yes. Do me, do me now. Let me open my editor. <laughs> <laughs> that was so my intention all along. It's like right. a customer support tutorial. And then she had Brad Fitzpatrick on just to get him to merge her request. <laughs> and it worked. Oh, man. Um, uh, so, um, Ramya, one thing I sort of wanted to dive a little deeper on is that, uh, um, so I think Eric mentioned earlier that there was a code lens, sort of a, a new capability that was added, I think, earlier this year uh, in, in VS Code. Uh, what exactly does that provide you under the hood as sort of a plugin um, maker? Like, what what exactly? How is that different from what, what was there or not there before? Like, what is the function of CodeLens? How does that help you, especially when it comes to Go? Okay, so CodeLens in itself has been in VS Code for quite some time. 
Okay. Um, Codelens in the Go extension is what was new. So when mm. I say new, it's it's not that that technology wasn't available before. It's just that nobody thought of implementing it in the Go extension. Um, so Codelens for you is um, something actionable, something contextual. So for example, it appears right above a function or a method, um, and it is in context to that uh, function or a method. So you can have it for like how we have now for references, run tests, and so on and so forth. Um, other extensions can do their own thing. For example, there's one extension I know, uh, which, you know, in, in your package.json, in your, say, if you're doing Node, um, in your package.json, it adds a code lens right about each dependency saying what's the latest dependency, I mean, the version. So you could use it for any which reason. And it's just that in Go, we got the time to do it now and now you see it. Pretty cool. So um, you talked about kind of code lens being in there for a while. What's, what's some new stuff that has come out in the plugin or that you're currently working on that you're really excited about? Um, currently, uh, the things, some of the things I'm excited about is, um, you know, things that help you write your code faster, like stubs, um, you know, have an interface and, you know, get all the methods of the interface implemented with stubs in it. So somebody from the community uh, has submitted a PR on that. So I'm excited about that. Um, in the same lines that are more, uh, you know, stub related things, uh, extract method, uh, that is something which I had my eye on for quite a while. I tried using Go Doctor, but that didn't work out for many scenarios. So I'm thinking Guru has a has a feature called free variables, I believe. Um, so if anybody's interested, uh, try out free variables to implement the um, extract method feature. So those are the two things. Do you get a lot of outside contributions to this project? Are you, are you actively seeking for like people to help with with some tickets you have open? I am definitely actively seeking for help. <laughs> um, there have been more um, contributions than before. So when I write the release notes, it makes me so happy when I see more names than mine. Um, so I try to keep that balance. So from the past couple of releases, yes, there has been more um, contributions. And I would love for to have you know more than that also. Um, I'm here to help, uh, you know, figure out debug issues with you. Uh, that's how we got the references code lens, by the way. Um, somebody thought it was a good idea and started working on it, and he had a blocker, and then we worked together. And then in the next two, three days, we had the references code lens. Wow. That's awesome. awesome. So looking at the issues on the project, you have about 27 with help wanted on them. Um, five of them which have been tagged as easy. So it should be it should be pretty straightforward for somebody to sort of jump in and, and at least look look at some things, and maybe contribute back. So one of the things I sort of wanted to touch on, like how like what are you actually writing your code in, you know, for the editor? Like is, is it like TypeScript? Is it like what what are you actually developing in? It's TypeScript. Yeah. So uh, VS Code extensions, all VS Code extensions are written in either a TypeScript or JavaScript. And then um, if you're trying to give language support, um, there is something called as language service. I don't know if you've heard of the language service protocol that um, uh, Microsoft and Red Hat, and you know there was a hackathon of sorts a year ago, and then we came up with the language server protocol. The idea behind this is um, you, in, you implement a language server once, and then 
you can, that's, you're able to use that against multiple editors, you know, the ones that support language servers. So that you can write in any language you want. Um, but extensions are TypeScript and JavaScript. I want to ask also, Rambia, um, how do you, one, come up with features to add to VS Code and two, prioritize what should go in at any given point? And mm -hmm. that makes me think of uh, Fatih and uh, Vim Code. Uh, Vim Code, am I saying that right? Vim Go. Vim Go, thank you. I knew it was wrong. <laughs> and he's a developer. He's developing all day long. And then he ha he does Vim Code. Uh, and I'm sure, I don't know this for a fact, but I would think that pretty much the, his thinking goes, well, I need this or I want this, so I'm going to put it in. And I'm sure he's listening to other people as well, but it's very much him making Vim Go a, the best editor for him, which very much coincides with the rest of the community who are using Vim. How does VS Studio go about making those decisions? So um, initially, after Luke was done with the basic, you know, features like formatting, um, linting, and your build, and so on and so forth. Um, after that, when I came into picture, initially my uh, plan was I look at issues, the one that was easy to do, and it just got started with that. So that was my first one month of handling the project. Uh, tried to get all the easy ones out of the, uh, you know, hit it out of the park. Um, after that, I started going through the backlog, which is like about 100 issues, um, and then seeing where do you see the most um, passion from the community? Um, what kind of issues have the most upwards? And then I started targeting that. That's how I got the... Um, so in your uh, completion, you can like, um, without even importing a package, you can say if you didn't import math, you can type math dot and you will get completion for that. Now that, that was- That is amazing uh, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, that was one feature request where a lot of people were like, you know, it would be cool to have this. And I'm like, why not? Um, so, so that's my current criteria of, you know, deciding that is, which feature requests have the most number of upwards or the most number of you know passionate people saying they'd like to see it. So you're saying that it really makes a difference when people are active and they go and they voice out their opinions and yes, definitely. what they want to have yeah. added to the, yeah. But at the sense. same time, it doesn't, it, it's not like the only measure. Like I know that uh, there's one feature request for which there are 35 upwards or something, but I still haven't gotten to that because implementing that with the current set is just going to have a slow experience. So until there's like a faster solution, I didn't want to jump into it right away. So okay. it's a mix of all these things. And then the other uh, direction, sometimes from the core VS Code product, we... Uh, release some APIs, some new features. Um, by default, TypeScript and JavaScript is supported by default, right, From by VS Code. And uh, we support new language features. Now it's up to the extension owners to, you know, to get up to speed and implement them in their own extensions. So this is sometimes from the other direction, I get ideas that, oh, VS Code can now do this, so I should implement that in the Go extension. So. Mm -hmm. That, that is another way where things can happen. That is the one way you can keep up with the product. Else you end up in a state where you see that, oh, VS Code can do ABC, but I don't see the Go extension doing it. So unless you play catch up, 
um, with the core product, you won't get to see those cool features. Makes sense. Oh, wow. So you actually have like continued development just to kind of um, stay up to speed with the core editor itself. Yeah. So that's kind of like a constant backlog, right? You you want to work on new features, but you, you also have to, it's almost like technical debt, right? Like you have to make sure you stay up because the longer you avoid implementing the new features, the the further away that that gets. Yes. I think there was one debugging related feature which came about like that. So uh, you can now have, so in, there, there's a launch.json file. If you need to debug your code, you need to have that file. And that's where you add your configuration. Initially, you had to like just handwrite it based on some document. Now you have snippets that you can use in, um, in that file. So you can have a snippet for debugging your test function or a snippet to you know, debug your package. Um, so the scaffolding is there, and then you edit the snippet. So now that was one feature coming out from the core product. Um, and there, the hook was there. All the Go extension needed to do is implement the snippets that's needed and hook it up, and then you start seeing it in the debug configs. By the way, does anybody want to share with me their snippets configuration? Because I have zero, and I want snippets for like starting a new function or writing from println or something. Um, oh, so one thing that can help you there is, I think, uh, let me just quickly try it before saying that it's possible. Uh, you can say insert snippet in the command line, I mean, command palette, and that'll open up all the snippets that the Go extension can do for you or can oh. give you. So, Inserts. yeah. I'm trying it right now. Snip it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I should have had VS Code installed before this. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> you might have gotten some free tech support. <laughs> Eric converted to VS Code live. <laughs> so those are the uh, snippets that come out of the box from the Go extension. And then you can create your own as well. So how does that work? For example, there there is a snippet that that's called if and it's for an if statement. So okay. I type if and do what? Tab? That's not working. You can do. How do I? No, you don't type that. You just choose it. Like use your. Oh, top. I see. It's too much clicking though for me. So that is I, if you. I want to type like a couple letters and in, in tab. Yeah, that's possible as well. So in the editor, if you know what the prefix is, like for example, type for, and I think there are two snippets for for that comes up in your um, suggestion list. Uh, sorry, what do I have to type? Oh, for the for loop, just type for, uh -huh. and it will suggest the snippets for you. Yes. Snippets have a different Oh, idea. I have to, you know, the first four that comes up is not the snippets. The, so first, the first thing that comes up yeah. is a keyword. So in case yes. it's just the keyword. So and I have then to, the, yeah, the second and to, the third are snippets. So you differentiate them by what is the icon in the suggestion item. So those yeah, box yeah. kind of things are snippets. So I have to type the downward arrow to get to the other ones. Is there a quicker way? You can yes. map it. You can, you can map. Um, 
you can there's a setting to show the snippet suggestion up top or bottom or in line so you can play with that really mm-hmm. okay so preference settings yeah or command comma that's a shortcut this is really becoming a customer support isn't it <laughs> yeah, <no>. you, yeah. <laughs> i'm not even looking at slack are people asking questions in slack Oh. No, no, we're basically joking about stuff and uh, Carlicia's clicky keyboard. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. I'm so sorry. I forgot to change my keyboard. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah, I usually trade mine out, too. I've got it's a like mechanical the, keyboard. The end of the show, and I realized it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all right. You get, you get geek creds for that. <laughs> I think everybody's trying to guess uh, which, which uh, Cherry uh, MX you're, you're using. Based on the sound of the clicking. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know if I should say or if I, if I should let people guess. <laughs> it's the brown one. Brown. It's the brown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thor got it. There you it. go. Thor four got it on the channel. There you go. Um, <laughs> I, I do. I do want to switch uh, gears um, from tech support briefly. <laughs> um, yes, please. To, uh, to <laughs> um, so you you sort of took over from Luke um, right around October of last year, um, and then now you, you're sort of effectively playing the role of product manager encoding you know from from what you're hearing and doing your own triaging and you know trying to keep keep up with the uh, language changes and trying to keep up with uh, um, vs code changes so there's sort of a lot going on like how, how do you like and obviously this you, you kind of got thrust into this role like what would you say has been sort of the biggest lessons you've learned from this experience so far that's an awesome question. So initially when I started, like you need to know this was my first open source project as well, right? Wow. So I was all uh, well excited. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was very excited, uh, you know, the whole process, you know, talking to random strangers and discussing code and doing PRs. And um, it was an awesome experience. And in that, I think in the initial few months, I got so carried away that I was releasing an update every week because I was like, ooh, shiny new thing. I can do this and then do three or four things. Boom, update. And then I kept doing that. And then the lesson I learned was that doesn't scale. (laughs) Um, And also because, like you said, I was the product manager, the developer, the person going around fetching requirements, the tester, the customer engagement person. So all rolled into one. And that was a rush as well, you know, coming from the previous teams where you're just a developer. The PM comes up with a design or a requirement, and then you discuss what the technical aspects are, and then you go implement it, and then that's done. Uh, But here it's everything rolled into one, and that was another high as well. So for a couple of months, I absolutely loved it. I was like checking my notifications like every half an hour to see, you know, is, is there anybody anybody asking something? Should I answer that? Should I say this? It, it was hard for me to pace myself and, um, you know, get into a rhythm. But yeah, that was one lesson that is slow down. Um, and uh, now I release uh, almost once a month now. Um, that's a much better <laughs> frequency Cadence. to, yes. Uh, right. Much better cadence, and um, yeah, I still uh, reply uh, and to notifications like once a day instead of every half an hour. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was my lesson. 
I think the the difficulty too, when when you think about it, is like when you're developing um, a product for your employer, there's usually a chain, a hierarchy, right? And you're reporting to yes. somebody, and you, you're only responsible for making that person happy, and they, you know, work out the details between you and other teams and how that's impacted. But like an open source project, you know, literally thousands of people are now your 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 boss, and they all have you know their own. Um, priorities and, and things that they want and need and sometimes they conflict and you're like how do I make everybody happy mm-hmm. yeah yeah that has happened as well but at the same time I think um I've, I've told this to a few people already uh there was this one time that I was discussing this PR with a person and then uh, I was like you know this won't work in the scenario but this might be better and then they go, oh, yeah, that's right. You're amazing. And then I almost teared up. <laughs> like, my nine years of, you know, experience, like, this is so much better than any appraisal. Uh, but, yeah, I never knew that uh, a simple thank you from a total stranger feels so good. That's awesome. And that's actually part of the reason we, why we try to do our free software Friday every week, too, is just to kind of remind her, like, you usually reach out to open source projects, like, uh, when you need something. So, like, you know, you can't advocate enough, like, just file an issue telling uh, people how much you love the work they're doing. Or maybe share an issue. That could probably get pretty bloated if <laughs> a thousand people <laughs> file an issue, like, we love you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or just give them some props on Twitter, like most people do. Yeah. So, I think we are probably uh, well over our first sponsor break. So, let's go ahead and break for our sponsors because they make this show happen. Our sponsor for today is TopTal. Hey everyone, Adam Stukoviak here, Editor-in-Chief of Changelog. Our friends at TopTal have been sponsoring our podcast for years, and now they're sponsoring GoTime as well. We think they're one of the best ways to hire developers and designers, as well as one of the best ways to freelance as a software developer or designer. Head to toptal.com go to learn more. Tell them you heard about them on GoTime. If you'd like a more personal introduction, email me. Adam at changelaw.com. And now back to the show. And we are back talking to Ramya from the VS Code plugin. Um, so you, I think we kind of uh, talked quite a bit about the plugin and kind of like the future and stuff. Do you guys want to jump into uh, any projects and news? I think the past couple episodes, we haven't got a chance to get around to anything. I think the list was piling up. I might need to go through some of the old show docs. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. So I found a cool project. Well, technically, I, I'm not responsible for finding it. My brother linked me to it to show me how cool it is. And it's along the editor thing. And uh, hopefully, Ramya won't beat me up because of it. But uh, <laughs> uh, there's a Hey, I called- already said, to each his own, whatever you like. <laughs> so I like how bad it is. I thought it was really cool because it's also tied to Go. Um, it's called Go NVim, and it's like a, a GUI front end for NVim written in Go. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I haven't tried it yet, so I can't tell you whether I love it or hate it. But uh, I just saw it, and it looks pretty cool. Although I'm I'm kind of um, I kind of want to drink the Kool Aid on the VS Code, so I think I'm going to end up playing VS Code, playing with VS Code before this. So other people can try this and tell me how much they love it. Another cool thing that um, I just saw yesterday, um, which also came from Microsoft, uh, the Azure uh, team, it's called Draft, which looks really cool. It's like um, 
basically a way of like determining the type of application you're running and um, automatically generating like Docker files and the Kubernetes specs for it so that you can kind of um, locally write code and then run a command and have it kind of deployed out to a sandbox in a Kubernetes cluster. Ooh, Docker reminds me, we have a Docker extension. For VS Code? Yep. Oh, hmm. cool. I wonder, I wonder what features are in that for like uh, completion and things like that. You should go check it out. I should. <laughs> e- even more reason to try it. I don't think I have a Docker extension in Vim. There you go. So it's still in the beginning phase. So uh, file away feature requests or what you'd like to see and so on. It's open source. Just installed it. It's, was that quick? Wow. I love, um, <laughs> like, I've always tried to live by the philosophy, like, pull requests instead of uh, issue. Like, if, if I'm able to address it, like, I prefer to try to to add the functionality or fix the broken stuff myself. Better yet, mm-hmm. both issue with pull requests. <laughs> That's true, too, because then people can follow along. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know when um, GopherCon Singapore was now. It was a couple weeks ago. I, I can't remember the dates, but the videos for that are on YouTube. Nice. How many, uh, how many talks were there? That's a good question. Uh, there At were 17. Seven. Wow. That's a lot of videos to watch. Yeah, and admittedly, there's uh, videos from other conferences that have taken place this year that I'm still really far behind on, and I don't quite know how to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's no more time in a day. Where where do I squeeze these in? And even if like now there's so many conferences and so much content being generated, it's like even if you watched one video per day, you would never you would never catch up. It's a good problem to have. It is. It definitely is. So talking about conferences, uh, we should also mention that GopherCon is next month. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, because it's technically June right now. So, yeah, one month away. So we should mention that the Lightning, the CFP for Lightning Talks is open. Yes. What? Where is Mm -hmm. that? It is open. Um, I'll I'll pull up a link and we can uh, drop it in the channel. And we'll drop it on Twitter, too, just so people who uh, won't listen to this for a week have an opportunity to see it. Are, are you going to be at uh, GopherCon, Ramya? Yeah. Um, I was initially, I, did, I wasn't sure, but then uh, Jana from uh, Google reached out and then like, she was like, you should be there. I'm like, okay. And I'm going to be there. You should be there. We should get you like a, uh, your, own, your own booth just for people to meet and greet. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, think, as long as it doesn't convert into a customer support booth. <laughs> no, no, no. That's exactly what I was thinking. I cannot go to that booth. It'll be all customer supporty. You put a sign there that says, uh, only love, no question. <laughs> no, no, you can ask me any questions if you find me. And if you have your laptop or Mac with you, we can look at stuff. Are you signed up for the RSVP for the Women Who Go dinner? Oh, there's a woman who got dinner. Sorry, oh, yeah. I've been up to date with it. No, it's all right. I'll, I'll send you the link. I should. I should. I mean, the, my flight tickets should do have, that. Have you been to one prior? Will this be your first? Uh, no, this is my first GopherCon. Um, uh, but conferences-wise, I've been, I've been to Grace Hopper's and then a couple of conferences here in Microsoft. So, yeah, looking forward to it. 
I'm excited. There's so many things that uh, we're we're hiding behind the scenes. That's that's going to be super cool. Mm-hmm. We're, we're having a lot of fun with uh, a lot of fun with it. I might I might leak a couple of things too, or at least one of them I'm working on. They're teasing. I am teasing. That's kind of the fun. Like I, part one of my favorite things about doing the conference and stuff like that is like when you get to tease some of the stuff. Like when I I drop like pictures of like the room keys and things like that. Like it's so much fun to see how excited people are. Like oh my god, I need one of those. <laughs> Yeah. I think I have half a dozen room keys from, from my last for gone. I don't even know what we did with, we had a box of a couple hundred of them, I think, left over from printing. <laughs> I don't even know what we did with them. And there's been some swag we've donated to like local shelters and stuff like that, um, like mugs and things like that. So like I can imagine like all these people who don't do technology walking around like GopherCon swag. <laughs> It's funny though, like even wearing like the swag, like the the amount of looks you get where people don't really understand why a grown man is wearing like a cartoon gopher on his shirt. It's priceless. It's it's great. You get a weird look all the time with that. Yeah, I never really even really give it any thought. I just I just wear the stuff and occasionally people will ask me about it. But. So what else do we have? Yeah, I think we still have a few things on the list here. I see a high performance go talk uh, with assembly from Fosdom. Yeah, um, there was a uh, somebody from the Minio team spoke at um, Fosdom this year, um, and they were doing some like uh, SMD stuff and everything using uh, not uh, normal assembly, but uh, Go's assembly language to implement part of it. And um, I watched the video. I was uh, multitasking at the time, so I vaguely remember some of the details. But I remember there were parts of it where they had gained something like a hundred times performance um, by basically implementing. Um, the function self in kind of uh, assembly. Uh-huh. So super cool. We'll we'll link to that in the show doc if uh, you're interested in that type of stuff. I uh, yeah, I was gonna mention uh, that just for funk, um, the show that uh, Princess Kenboy um, puts out. I think weekly or biweekly. I'm not sure how often he's doing them now, but they they're always fun to watch. Um, and he recently, his last one was about, um, he wrote a, a text-to-speech server uh, with gRPC um, and Kubernetes. Um, this was, it was fun to watch because I hadn't, I hadn't used a gRPC before. I knew about it, but didn't quite know um, uh, where it would sort of apply um, to the things I do. Um, it's, it's, it was interesting to sort of, you know, um, he gave sort of a, gave a brief overview of, uh, of the technology as he was sort of um, actually live coding the whole experience. Um, uh, and uh, and went on to deploy it uh, um, with Kubernetes. So it was it was kind of cool, sort of end to end to see to see that project come together. It was very fun fun watch. So I definitely encourage uh, folks to go and check it out. I have not seen that new one, um, but I, I love watching those things. He's such a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has fun with those. Do you watch the Just for Funk series, Ramya? I I watched one. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> It counts. It counts. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's watching them. I'm pretty sure Carlicia watches them. Yeah. Yeah. There's that's probably one of the series that like I try to make a point to watch. The the conference stuff I almost have to pick and choose now just because there's just too much content. Mm-hmm. And then I think somebody in here put uh, something about DevOps Day. 
Yeah, it's me. I wanted to mention this a couple of shows ago, and we ended up not going over the section. And last week I wasn't here. I really wanted to make sure to mention this uh, talk that Kelsey Hightower gave at DevOps Days Austin a few weeks ago. Really a huge shout out to him uh, for so many things, but especially for giving this talk. It's a uh, he goes into his background and his story, his um, coming of age story, how he got into tech and how he stayed in, in tech and some of the experiences he had. And I think it's a really worthwhile talk to watch because especially for people who are fans of his, because uh, you get to know him a little better. And nevertheless, I think I always think that software development is a lot about people and you get a bit of uh, insights on how someone can be so vulnerable and open up the stories that people usually don't talk about. And it's not sometimes because people don't want to talk about. It's just it's hard to fit in telling a story like that in a day to day basis or in a conference talk. So people, you don't usually get to hear those stories. And I think there are a lot of people like that, not just minorities, but everybody has struggles and some people more than others. And some people perceive those struggles more than others um, and have a hard time, of course. But, so, but nevertheless, everybody's got struggles. And if you don't, it's good to also to, to learn how people have challenges. And one thing that he said resonated with me a lot was, I mean, the whole talk resonated with me. And frankly, I was in tears. Um, it was got really emotional. And a uh, good thing that I, I didn't mention this talk the day that I watched because I was going to really get emotional. But at any rate, he said he was describing a, a, an encounter he had with somebody that so this white male was really surprised to see a black male come into his house and do amazing uh, work with technology. Basically, he probably never saw a, a black guy in any type of uh, profession, doing any type of professional work, just because where, where he lived, probably his contacts, no fault of his own particularly, that's how he was. And he was extremely surprised to see him perform at that level. And it showed. And Kelsey says something like, you know, got to give people a chance. Basically, he says something like this. And he says, and I'm quoting him, people can change. And if you do it right, you get to watch it happen. Which obviously is a very positive take on these challenging encounters that we can have with people, people who look at us and say, well, I never expected you to do, be doing this. Um, so, or maybe even doubt that we can do it uh, or that we are doing it right at all. And one takeaway from that that I felt was, uh, given my own experience, was the beauty of watching ourselves change. We go you know, going from 
you don't know anything, you want to work on a field and you don't know anything and you go through the process of learning and that is hard and then you get to start performing and then you get better and then you're teaching, you're mentoring and that process and then you become a person on the other side and you, sometimes I look at myself and I go, wow. <laughs> so the process of also watching myself change is amazing. It's amazing that I got to watch that happen. And I don't take that for granted either. At any rate, that's my, uh, I think it's a good talk to watch. Yeah, I think it was a really emotional talk and to hear that backstory. And those types of things are really awesome because they humanize these people that, you know, you, know, you start to realize that, you know, uh, the whole kind of perception is reality and we see people and we see what they're doing and we kind of like paint this picture of who that person is and, you know, how they got there and the whole like myth of overnight success or, or whatnot. And you get to kind of see that, that struggle that people have endured and you start to realize that we're, we're, we all live, um, lives of, of struggle and, and everybody overcomes things in different ways. And yeah. And Kelsey, he's had, um, some kind of like, threads on Twitter too, um, with kind of like being more vulnerable and open about his history. And it's, it's just really awesome to see somebody, you know, that, that holds kind of that position in the community kind of open up about his past and, you know, it, it humanizes, humanizes people, you know, and same thing here, you know, like, um, we have Rami on the show about VS code, right? This is, this was your, uh, introduction into open source and introduction into go and all of these things and you know the the picture you paint is is often much different than the reality yeah it's been a fun journey yeah <laughs> i would have i would have guessed you had been writing go and they were like oh i love vs code so i'm <laughs> going to write a plugin you know that's typically the way these things work so I'm really happy that it was handed off to you, though, because it looks amazing. And, you know, even though I don't use it um, yet, yet, you may convert. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, like, I think uh, when we had uh, Edward Muller on the, the show, um, I believe it was one of the it was the top two, right? Vim and, and VS Code were the top two editors people yes. write and go use. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's amazing. Especially with but that was how that was a good thing to hear because that also motivates me, you know. To um, that's the kind of feedback that helps you as a as a project maintainer slash contributor to keep doing what you're doing, right? So that was good to know. Yeah, it makes you feel like uh, the work you're doing uh, is worthwhile. That you're, you know, helping a lot of people. Yeah, that's awesome. So does anybody else have any other interesting projects, news, uh, announcements, and anything we want to talk about before we move into Free Software Friday? I will take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know that you listened to the show, Rami, but we, we talked about it a, a little bit earlier. So um, usually just before we close out the show, we do something called Free Software Friday, where <laughs> each of us kind of goes through and we just thank a person, a company, um, project, um, that, that makes our lives easier in the open source world just to kind of give them uh, the love and recognition. It does not have to be go. Uh, oftentimes it actually isn't recently. Um, but yeah, that's just something we do. Um, if you have somebody, something that you, you would like to thank, you're welcome to join us. If not, that's fine too. Carlisa, you want to kick it off? 
Yeah, sure. So today, I guess, is the shout-out day to people as opposed to software, mostly. I want to give a shout-out to JBZ because, um, and that's uh, Jana B. Dogan. She works for Google and she does a lot of Go work and she works mostly on, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but she does a lot of uh, performance work and investigation about how Go can be improved as a language. Uh, and to my understanding, she also is leading the DevX group, which is the Dev Developer Working Group which aims to make the, the onboarding experience better for developers, among other things. And she has many uh, open source projects that are amazing. And she has also a very good blog post about uh, related to Go. Her blog posts, I think, are very worthwhile reads. In other words, she's a... Amazing person, really hard worker. I don't think she gets enough recognition, and I want to make sure we recognize her today. Yeah, we we all love JBD. Like she puts out some really great blog posts and stuff too. Like I, I've learned a lot from her over the years. And she How also was on the show. I just want to mention she was on the show in on episode twenty two. Did you know that by heart, or did you look it up? I, I looked <laughs> it up. I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> because I think there was an episode where you called out an episode number somebody was on without looking it up, and I was shocked. <laughs> I'm sure I was shocked too. <laughs> Once it's like like two episodes ago, maybe I forget. Like I know it was just a few episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Johnny? For myself, I've been using uh, this uh, um, sort of debugging debugging aid called Q. Uh, I think it was a port from a from a um, project that originated from uh, from the Python community. But um, um, let me see, Y O Sarian Yosarian on GitHub. Uh, we can post a link. Um, but uh, yeah, he's I think he ported that over. Um, Q is basically a better um, font printf, basically, you know, rather than, you know, I don't use a debugger, like, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Delve or anything like that, uh, I'm not not a big fan of debuggers. I, I'm more of the old school, you know, print it out, log it out, and then, you know, I'll see why I'm in the program kind of thing. Um, and for me, um, using Q has sort of been a better experience for that. So typically, the way it works is that, you know, you'd have, you'd have a, basically a terminal uh, console open, and you just run QQ, and that what that does is that it basically uh, just opens up a stream that starts to uh, output uh, in a really nice formatted way um, sort of uh, anything that you're sort of um, pushing out from your code. So in, back, in, back in your actual Go code, you obviously you import the, the Q library and then wherever you need to sort of, you know, where you typically would do log a log printf or from printf, you, um, you use Q and then Q dot Q on and whatever you, it is you want to you want to dump out um, and then basically that just appears on the stream um, um, and basically it's nicely formatted and it'll sort of give you hence some metadata around where it is that you you outputted the uh, um, the statement um, so it's been like really nice um, I pretty much do all sort of all my uh, sort of uh, standard out sort of debugging um, just by having that running and then just calling QQ and where you know sprinkle that you know throughout my Go code and it just you know it, it's been a, a very nice aid uh, for debugging. So, shout out to the the uh, developer who pointed it over. Um, I use it um, pretty much every day. Thank you. And how about you, Ramya? Did you have anybody? Oh, I have lots. Um, <laughs> so, 
Uh, first shout out to Luke Hoban um, for uh, creating the Go extension to begin with um, back in November 2015 um, and giving me, a, you know, that resulted in me getting this awesome project to uh, contribute to. So that's one. Um, two is all the amazing people who've written these tools like, you know, Go Code, Go Dev, Go Dog, Go Get Dog, all these tools that internally we use in the extension. So thank you for making these tools. And my third and last one would be a big shout out to everyone who's been, you know, creating PRs, logging issues, making sure that, you know, we are on top of um, all the good features in the Go extension. So love you all. Thank you very much. And keep doing it. And I'll try to answer <laughs> So uh, mine today, I'm actually going to uh, give a shout out to a company and that is actually Microsoft because I think the past couple of years, like we've seen a whole new Microsoft, um, like, I mean, your contributions to the Go plugin, VS Code itself, uh, contributions to Docker and Kubernetes, uh, that they just acquired Deus and, um, you know, that draft thing that just came out. Like, I think we're, we're really starting to see a lot of contribution and outreach and, um, community involvement from the Microsoft team. So I think that that's really awesome. And I'm really appreciative of the fact that they uh, pay people money to work on these things that we get to use. <laughs> Agreed. Did anybody have any more they want to throw in before we close out the show? Did we already shout out Ramya for her work on, on the actual plugin? Yeah. I think she deserves, she deserves a shout out, right? Without a <laughs> doubt. <laughs> thank you so thank you thank you Ramya for the work that you do and we hope you keep doing it I sure will yeah, and thank you so much for coming on the show this has been a lot of fun and uh, we, we definitely want to stay in touch and uh, keep up on keep up with all the changes and additions to the VS Code plugin and VS Code itself because you're, yep, you're more it, aware of that stuff than we are <laughs> it, it was great to be here uh, you can reach out to me um, I'm on Twitter now. Um, Matt mentioned in the other uh, podcast that I wasn't much, but learned my lesson. I'm on Twitter now, and and um, you can give out my handle, and uh, you guys can ask me any questions related to the Go extension or VS Code in general. Uh, I'll try to answer. If I don't know, I'll definitely know the person who knows, so I can forward your questions and queries. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. And thanks Sorry. again for being on the show and, and thanks to everybody who is on the panel today. And especially thank you, Johnny, for stepping in for Brian today. Always love having you on the show. Uh, thanks to all the listeners who are listening live and everybody who will listen to this once it's produced. Uh, big shout out to our sponsor, TopTal. Uh, again, show them some love because they make this thing happen for us. Uh, definitely share the show with fellow Go programmers. Um, if you want to subscribe, you can go to gotime.fm. We do have a weekly email that we're, we're going to be starting uh, hopefully soon. So go ahead and subscribe to that. You can follow us on Twitter at GoTimeFM. And if I don't run out of breath, uh, <laughs> if you have something you want to talk about on the show or suggestions for a guest, uh, please file an issue on github.com slash GoTimeFM slash ping. And I think that's it. Uh, goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. This was fun. Bye. That wraps up this episode of Go Time. Tune in live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time. 
at thechangelaw.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at GoTimeFM. Special thanks to TopTile for sponsoring this show. Also, thanks to Fastly, our bandwidth partner, at thefastly.com to learn more. This episode was edited by Jonathan Youngblood, and the theme music for GoTime is produced by Breakmaster Cylinder. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening.